So as she did with Andy a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Jan asked me to reflect or give testimony on two of our values. Full disclosure, this is a little bit more of a sermonette. Um, I'm a five on the Enneagram, and so I'm always in my head, and that's just kind of how I process and think. So a little bit more of a sermonette than a testimony. So with that taken care of, um, let's go ahead and jump in. So as you may know, the Janelle family loves outdoor adventure. One of our favorite pastimes is spending a week at a time in the Boundary Waters. We've actually only been twice as a family, and it's a lot of work to get up there, so we're on about a every other year cadence at this point. We went last year and um, decided to take this year off, but instead we're actually going on a weekend canoe trip down the St. Croix River next weekend for Labor Day weekend. As Jenny and I were planning the trip yesterday, Jenny got out a pile of maps that she picked up at a ranger station somewhere in the St. Croix River Valley a few weeks ago. The scenic riverway was split into about eight or nine maps. Um, The cartographers that had created the maps wanted to make sure that they captured all the detail, and since it's such a long river and long route, they split it up into sections. We were looking over the maps, searching for campsites and all the floating toilets. Yes, there really are floating toilets, as the maps told us. And we were trying to estimate the distance that we would need to travel and the distance between the campsites that we were targeting. I noticed that as we switched between two of the maps, the scale changed. The new map was about twice the scale of the uh, previous map. And uh, you could tell right away that the river looked wider. In fact, we were talking before we noticed that the scale was was different. Uh, we thought that maybe the river opened up at that point, but then we looked at the, the distance marker and noticed that uh, the scales were different. So had we not noticed that the scale had changed and, and kept trying to calculate our distance with the previous uh, distance on the previous map, we would have s- severely miscalculated distance between campsites and even to our uh, uh, takeout point, which if anybody's ever been on like a backpacking trip or a canoe trip like that, you'll know that it's not fun to be ready to set up camp and uh, have a camp nowhere in sight. So as I was reflecting on how to practice the values of seeing and responding and how they relate to our guiding scripture, Jeremiah 6.16, It struck me that maps are an instructive metaphor for how I practice seeing and responding along the ancient path. So scripture is the map that shows us what the ancient way is. It helps us to see where we are going. Now, maps are an abstraction. They're a representation of reality. But they're not reality or the world itself. And that can be problematic for people who are experienced at using maps to navigate, and sometimes even, sometimes even for people who are experienced at using them to navigate. As I've been up in the Boundary Waters, and you always have a, you know, you get the big paper maps, and um, you uh, are always constantly gazing down, and you're trying to, um, you know, correlate what's on the map to what, what you're actually seeing around you, and it's, it's not always very easy. Sometimes... 
I look at the map and, and, and then I look across at a piece of land and I'm like, is that this island or is that a, a spit of land? Um, and sometimes I look at an opening between two bodies of land and I'm like, is that this bay or is that the main part of the lake? And, um, and so it's not always easy to figure it out. Sometimes even smart maps that talk to us like Google Maps can lead us astray. Has anyone else been confused when they're told to use the third lane from the left to keep right at the fork? <laughs> All right, so how is scripture like a map? Well, it gives glimpses of how God has interacted with God's people in their time and place and through their worldview. But we are a different people in a different time and place. And although God is God, History, culture, and experience, and even language give us different lenses through which to see and understand God. Many evangelical Christians and denominations believe that a literal interpretation is the correct approach to Scripture, but this actually brings with it all sorts of problems. What do we do with the Levitical commandments to keep kosher laws and impose capital punishment on adulterers. What was going on in Joshua when the Lord commanded Israel to unleash genocide on the descendants of Canaan? In one of his letters to Timothy, Paul said, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Does this mean that women should not be pastors? Some Christians think so. Some Jews also practice some literal interpretations of parts of the scripture. Have you ever seen pictures of Orthodox Jews with the um, phylacteries on their foreheads or their arms? This is done in response to the command in Deuteronomy 6.8. Tie the commandments as symbols on your hands and bind them on their foreheads. And so that's literally what they do when they pray. So a question that I have is, is it possible that some of the ancient paths that we see in the pages of scripture were detours or shortcuts or even dead ends on the true ancient path that God has intended for his people? A suggestion not to take scripture literally may seem threatening or like a slippery slope into agnosticism. How can we trust scripture if we can't take it literally? Well, not taking scripture literally does not mean in any way that it's not instructive or authoritative for life. Rather, like a map, it shows the contours of how God has seen God's people and how God's people have seen God over the course of 2,000 years in the case of scripture. And this map helps us to navigate the terrain of our lives and our time. I think a few things that Pastor Jan said a few weeks ago when she preached on seeing are instructive for how we can approach scripture. And really, I just pull out some quotes um, from that sermon. Um, think about how they relate to seeing um, and scripture as a guide to seeing. Seeing is more than physical, and I would add literal sight. It is a capacity of the heart. Seeing is more than a value. It is a way of being in the world. 
seeing is a form of prayer. And finally, Pastor Jan quoted Richard Rohr, spiritual maturity is largely a growth in seeing. Sometimes it takes maturity to, um, to be able to see without being told exactly what you're seeing. It takes maturity and experience. Like Pastor Jan said in that sermon, seeing is more than a nod of recognition. Seeing is knowing. And knowing isn't just what's in our head. It's a deep understanding and intimate awareness. In scripture, knowing is a euphemism for sexual intercourse. Adam knew Eve and she was with child. Knowing gets to the intimate vulnerable nature of what's seen. Scripture helps us to see the world and know the world as God would have us see it and know it. It gives our hearts the capacity to see and know the contours of the kingdom of God in this world of strife and grief. So scripture is the map, but how do we interpret where we go and how we respond to what God is showing us about our place in the world and our responsibility toward it. When Jenny and I were moving between those maps of the St. Croix River, we needed to reorient ourselves to the different scales. On the first map, three miles was about this long, and on the second map, one mile was about that long. On maps, different points of reference and different scales require the reader to become reoriented to the map symbols. The most important piece of information for understanding the map is the key. It contains explanations of map symbols, information on the map scale, and the compass rose, which points to the north to keep the direction true. For me, Christ is the key to the map of scripture. The kingdom of God which was unfolded by Christ's message and ministry in the Gospels, is the locus through which we can understand the story of God's people as it unfolded in Scripture, as it has historically unfolded through the church, and how it continues to unfold for us today. I've shared at times in the past uh, with Abby Way how important the communion table is for me here particularly in the days when we would meet every Sunday evening for a shared meal and we had much more extended fellowship times and and longer evenings. Uh, But still so today on our Sunday morning worship times, the Lord's table and the invitation to encounter each other as we encounter Christ is the center around which the service and the rhythm of the liturgy revolve around and even spiral into. So too is the person of Christ and the unfolding of his ministry in the Gospels, the center around which my understanding of Scripture, the church, and my life revolve. So what does Scripture is the map and Christ is the key mean for me and for us in this time and place? For me, personally, this journey of of learning to see and respond began in earnest when I went to Bible college and began to think critically about Christ, Scripture, and their place in my world. As I've 
as I pondered uh, what began you know, a couple decades ago, I've come to, to two conclusions, I think. First, not every belief that has been handed down from the past is the ancient way. We have not always seen clearly, for as Paul says, uh, using a metaphor in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see through a glass darkly. In Bible college, I personally became uh, pretty skeptical of systematic theology, because how could we possibly know God in a, a systematic or rigorously um, logical way? With God's people, whether in theology or in practice, side trails have been taken from time to time. And the contours of the past do not always match the topography of, of the present or the future. I think that this is why so much of Jesus' message and ministry was con confronting, undermining, and correcting the religious orthodoxy and orthopraxy or beliefs and practices of his day. We're all familiar with how he was constantly confronting the Sadducees and Pharisees, but really, more broadly, throughout the Gospels, his message was, you've heard it said that, but I say. So I think it was a, a broader confrontation of, of what was accepted as orthodox and true and right. What beliefs and practices must we re-examine in order to usher in the kingdom of God a little further into the world? Just as Peter was shown through a vision in Acts what was, that what was formerly unclean is now clean under Christ, what unclean things does God want to make clean in our time? So the first, the first conclusion I came to is that not every belief that has been handed down from the past is of the ancient way. The second conclusion I've come to is that not every practice, not every response is of the ancient way. What can Christ teach us about how his people have been in the world, both when they've glorified him and when they have failed to glorify him? Continually being present not only to what we practice, but why we practice is critical in our response. If we never get to a re-examination of the why, we will continually live in reaction rather than in response, as Pastor Laura uh, preached last week. And there's a significant difference, as she said, between the two. She pointed out that when we react, we're running on autopilot. And that can be problematic, particularly if there's a side trail or a fork in the road. Um, and that's why the map is important. Uh, we need to be able to look ahead and to be able to plan and feel comfortable with and grounded in where we're going rather than taking whatever path comes our way. So in conclusion, I'd like to say that I'm really excited that we've adopted the values of asking listening, seeing, and responding. I think that these are core values of the contemplative life, and fully living into them requires courage, humility, and intention. 
We live in fractious times, both in our culture and obviously in our denomination. I'm excited to see that we at Abbeyway are already practicing these values in response to the fractiousness, and I'm confident that we will follow the ancient path forward because we have the map and we have the key.